Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We'll we get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Ding, ding. Buxton can make contact with two strikes. Another breaking ball. Swung over the top. Wow. Wow. Murph just digging up digging up the dirt on Byron Buxton this morning. Breaking ball, according to Bert, though. I mean, that's the problem. Fastball, uh, he would have been just fine. Yeah. Buxton would have been just fine if that had been a fastball. So, all right. We got, we're going to, we, there's so many football things to get into. Matthew Collar's going to hang out uh, for large chunks of the show today. We have a Mackie and Judd and also, in addition, a 1500 ESPN related announcement in about 15 minutes from now. But let's start with the biggest news over the weekend, non Vikings related, because the Vikings made a bunch of headlines and we're going to go all in on those too. Uh, but Byron Buxton, let's just start with your thoughts. I know. I, I, you and I both agreed last week at the State Fair. We yes. would both call him up. We agree we would both call him up. Yes. They didn't call him up. They sent him home. I think now that the decision has been made, you seem to be a little bit more over the top, either confused or upset about it than I. Honestly, I feel like I could argue both sides of this and come out ahead. So why don't you start with the Twins' decision to send Byron Buxton home for the rest of the season. Yeah, so we, uh, Kyle and I talked about this on the Saturday morning show, and we knew it was going to, or or we had heard Doogie actually had sourced that it was going to happen on Friday night. That I he heard was there not was bad clock recalled. management on that show, but that's just me. I'm going to tell you right now, that, <laughs> that network we got going, though, <laughs> wish this show was on it. So, so then on Saturday night, uh, Thad Levine, who was on the trip in Arlington with the team, made it official. I've thought about this from every possible side, every single possible side, why the Twins would do this. And it comes down to the fact, as simple as, as it can be, it comes down to the fact that Buxton is 13 days short of service time right now, M- meaning that if he doesn't get back up here and get big league service time in 2018, his free agency potentially would kick in in 2022 instead of 2021. Yeah. Now, now understand this. I get... This this is something that needs to be fixed in the CBA next time. They need to fix this thing. But usually when this happens, it happens at the front end of a guy's career who you figure is coming up and is going to stick. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. The Cubs, the Cubs did this to Bryant. He filed a grievance, which still has not been heard yet. But that was done because the Cubs said once he gets here, he's sticking here. We're almost positive, and he's been great. Are you wearing a Cubs shirt right now? Yes, I am. Okay. I just I thought that was a I Cubs told you, shirt. I grew up a Cubs fan. So anyway, so if you do that with a player, I get that one. But to do this to Buxton, I simply don't get. 
because a week ago last Friday, the Twins started to play him in Rochester on a daily basis. He actually started to hit. If I'm the Twins, I am not saying that Byron Buxton was going to get here in September and and hit the ball and go crazy and that that was going to fix him. But I thought it was part of the of the evolution, possibly, of getting his career back on track to do so. And and for the Twins to say, let me just give you Levine's third point from his comments on Saturday, okay? Because this is the one where it's like, Thad, you're a smart guy. I like you, but come on. Let's see well, he here. can't. T- he can't tell you I, flat out no, that it's I service that. time. I understand. So that. I understand that. Because and, and by the way, they might still have a grievance on their hands, regardless. They very of well might. They very well might. But the third thing that he brought up was actually playing time. If we bring Byron back, how much playing time can he get? Let me give you the Twins outfield. Let me give you the Twins Monday outfield, okay? Okay, for how ridiculous that notion is. The Twins outfield yesterday in Houston was Robbie Grossman, Jake Cave in center, Johnny Field in right. The the only reason to do this... Johnny Field has a better name than Byron Buxton. Yeah, exactly. Deserves to play, just based on name alone. The only reason why they're doing this is based on service time. And in this situation, I think it's a massive mistake when you have no idea by the time if you get to 2022 if Byron Buxton's going to be a viable player for your team. Okay, so I agree. I would have called him up. I would have called him up, but I'm not going to die on the hill because you could just as easily say, and I, and and the, the twins can list three or four reasons that have nothing to do with service time, and you would look at those reasons and say, yeah, okay, like, I guess you have a point. Reason number one, he's been terrible the entire year until a one-week hot stretch in AAA, AAA, in which he was still striking out at least one time per game, and by all accounts, pulling the ball every time he put the ball in play which is the opposite of what they want to see him do. Because in the major leagues, you can't just be pull happy and strike out. You're going to wind up the same as you've been for the last four years. So so you could say his approach at AAA, albeit the results were good for a week, a week, and his overall numbers at AAA have been underwhelming for the most part. You could say, yeah, that's not the approach that's going to win in the major leagues. You've already tried this. You've already gone down this path, and you strike out four times per game. You could also say, I know that your wrist is healthy enough to be back on the field and playing AAA baseball, but you've been banged up basically since the day you were called up to the major leagues. We're going to give you a month to just collect yourself physically. Just go home. We don't want you running into walls. Your wrist has been hot and cold, and you've had to you, you come back for two weeks, then your wrist gets hurt again. Just go home and go get healthy for April. And then I would say the other thing you could you could pin on Buxton. You could say, we've seen you hit in September twice. It doesn't translate. Hitting in September against White Sox and Royals uh, expanded roster pitching doesn't guarantee anything for April first of the next year. So again, like, I I could I could fight both sides here, and 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 I think if you're the Twins, you would say all those things I just mentioned, and you would tell him Jake Cave is ahead of you right now in our outfield pecking order. So I know you mentioned Johnny Field, but their outfielders right now are Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler, and Jake Cave. And and does anyone who watch, watches Twins baseball on a regular basis think at this very moment, I'm yep. not talking about the potential of what they could be, because at some point you are who you are. You're 25 years old now in about two months if you're Byron Buxton. Right. So like you can't just keep saying, yeah, but what if, what if, what if? You hope that that's the case. Right now, does anyone who watches baseball with any sort of educated mind think that Buxton's a better player than Jake Cave? No. But here's my question. And Jake Cave's here's, about 25 okay. years old. But here, here's the question I keep coming back to. What would be the downside of him being here? Like, if you're fighting both sides, 
and you just get down to this one question. You're sitting across the table from Dave St. Peter and well, the downside Thad is and you, Derek. You What's the you, downside to him being here? That you lose him for an extra year at the end of but the you contract. Don't, but that's the problem. You don't know. There is no guarantee that he's not going to be out of baseball or with Tampa Bay as a defensive replacement by 2022. That's the problem. But if you think he's going to be out of baseball by 2022, why would you die on the hill of not calling him up in September right now? Because I want every opportunity to fix him. I want every opportunity to get him back here. And and here, here is the plan. The plan needs to be, we're going to get you back here. We're going to have you work with the, the big league staff. I almost don't care how much you play. You'll play, but it's not, it's not instrumental that I play you on a daily basis. What is instrumental is that we get you back here, get you some at-bats, and we look at your approach very closely. Yeah. And then winter ball. I, I need him playing. The 2018 is a disaster for him in part because he's been hurt so much. I need him playing. I need him to show up at spring training with as much of an approach as I could possibly get. And, and stunting his growth in September by sending him home is not going to do okay, that. Okay, but, but let, me, let me pull it back out to 10,000 feet here. I just, I'm sort of taken aback by how many people or the percentage of people that are ripping the twins in the front office for the Byron Buxton situation, when Byron Buxton's the one who can't f- hit major league pitching for four years. I mean, like, some of it goes on the team and development and those things, but let's not lose sight of the fact, if we think it's questionable, and I agree, it's sort of questionable, I would have called him up. It's sort of questionable. But it's like we're letting that override the fact that Byron Buxton can't hit a slider, can't lay off a slider, can't mm-hmm. catch up to major league fastballs above the belt, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like... But let's he's, not let him off the hook as not, a player here. I'm not, but what I need to do if I'm the Twins is is take every opportunity I can because the clock is ticking to fix him. And if you can't fix him, it's done. Are you going to fix him in September? I'm going to fix him by having a, a very coherent plan that starts by getting him back here in September, and then he's going to continue to play. I want My goal, if I'm the Twins, my goal is to get to next July and have him be tired because he's played so much damn baseball because I've got him somewhat seems fixed. seems like a bad plan. I don't care. I need to get him fixed. I, he is he is at the point in his life, in his career, where this very shortly might be done. So I'm not going to worry about 2022. What I'm going to worry about is getting him fixed. And by the way, there's two very different people here. The Sano plan was brilliant. I loved it. And Miguel Sano is a person, and people can deny this, but it's, it's absolutely true, who is going to respond to punishment which is you're going to Fort Myers, you're going to lose weight, we're going to work your ass off because you know what? You don't get it. Byron Buxton gets it. I think Byron Buxton desperately wants to succeed. I think a big part of Byron Buxton's problem is he is sensitive and thinks about everything. So this move, this move, if you did it to Sano, I would almost get. With Byron Buxton, I think it's counterproductive, I think it's foolish, and I think it's done to, to potentially save money in a year where you don't even know if Byron Buxton's going to be playing. But sometimes players are who they are. Miguel Sano is batting two hundred two this season. Mm-hmm. He's, batting two, he's getting on base at a two eighty clip. Mm-hmm. So, again, I agree that sending him to single A was the right thing to do. Getting him to lose 20 pounds was the right thing to do. But it's not like he's come back and no. performed at an all-star level. But I still like Did the... it do anything for his performance no. on the field? But what I'm saying is is what they did to me made perfect sense and still makes sense. It might not work, but it makes sense. Yeah. But everything that you look at with Buxton says to me that this is a counterproductive move that doesn't take the potential of trying to fix him in, into account at all. And, and you can make an argument that he is the most important person or among the top five for sure in your franchise. Yeah, and I right just now. think with one month to go against bad divisional pitching, you're not going to, even if he tears it up for a month, we've seen that show before. Uh, if you're Buxton, 
and you look at the September roster, how about just from an ego standpoint, and you're sitting at home and you're looking at some of the, yeah. the players the Twins are running out there. So, like, Chris Jimenez is on the expanded roster. He's back. He's pretty much just a coach who hit a bomb as a pitcher this weekend was, against Texas. That was fantastic. But he's pretty much just an assistant coach who happens to be in the lineup. Uh, Gregorio Petit is a 33-year-old journeyman mm-hmm. who slugged 320 at AAA this season. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Field, who has one hit in 10 games with the Twins, but he has an awesome name, so I'm not going to rip the Twins for putting a guy named Johnny Field in their starting lineup. I absolutely hate this move. I absolutely hate hate this move, and it has nothing to do with a month. It has to do with what your plan should be, and you're you're allowing yourself to be impacted by something that ultimately might not come into play ever. And I think you might be overreacting to a situation that, like whether he was up in September or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think if he plays winter ball, it might matter. But you can't force him to play winter ball. My point, he has my, to want to play winter ball. Right. But but if I called him back up, I think that, that I could be much more on the same page. I think if you go to him now, there's a chance he's going to say, no, I won't play. Well, then And now he's going to show up in you. But, but Judd, if, think about that. If you're So you have a guy, if he doesn't want to put in enough work and enough, whatever it is in the winter, if he doesn't want to put in that work on his own, then it, this is this is an irrelevant conversation because okay, he's never going to be great. But it is but it is your loss. Ultimately, if he is a complete bust, it's your loss. So it's your job to try to get everything that you can to make sure that, that you turn him into at least a, a serviceable player and not a guy who in two years you're just like, it didn't work and he's traded for some prospect. Sure. It's weird because I don't fully disagree with you. I just think you're over the top with this. But we can get back to it. I'm very passionate about this right now. I can sense that. I'm very passionate. (laughs) And I have been since Friday night. I've been upset about this. All right. The the Judd plan works for Sano and Buxton, and more people should listen. How is it working for Sano? He's batting 200. No, no, the Judd plan is continuing right now. (laughs) He's batting. The Judd plan includes telling the Players Association to go bleep off while I follow this guy around at every turn, and he doesn't go home this winter. By the way, if Buxton figures it out, aren't you going to be happy that they get him for an extra year at the end of his contract? No, because you're going to rip him. You're going to you would rip them the other way too. No, in two in two years (laughs) in two years, if he's good, guess what? I'm signing him to a long-term contract extension, which will make 2022 not a problem yeah. because he'll then be in the midst of a long-term extension. And then he turns you down goes to the Dodgers a year earlier than expected might, because you wasted 13 well, days of service time at the end of a lost season. This is a, this is a bad move. Um, all right, let's come back. We have, we have a show and a 1500 ESPN-related announcement when we come back here. And uh, Matthew Collar is going to join us. We'll talk Brian Robison and Terrence Newman moves over the weekend. The Vikings have a new punter. So there's all kinds of things. Another new punter. The division just got better over the weekend, too. Manny Hill will join the show in the 11 o'clock hour. Jason Stark on a Tuesday and James Murphy on the board. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Oh, it's Saturday night. We're getting tweets on that last segment. Let's get Matthew Collar in here. I don't even know where he cited in this argument on Saturday, but... Maybe you can throw one final word here. So, Bill, let me just one more thing on this, and then we're gonna make a, we're gonna make a show related announcement here in a second. We'll talk Vikings. Bill says, as expected, Phil protecting Falvine at all costs. There's no reason for Buxton to not be with the big club. No, there is a very important reason. It's getting a <laughs> full costs. a full extra season of Byron Buxton if he works out. That's the reason. I took a bullet for him. <laughs> Derek, that, I took a bullet for you today. Slow motion. No! I've got my Falvine vest on. Thank God it saved your life. 
I feel like this. I feel like this happened in one of the Beverly Hills Cop movies or something. Oh, I'm sure it did. Diving in front. I'm sure. But like, don't, say, don't you do Phil? But don't to, you do it? To say that there's well, there's no reason. No, there is a reason. They can't tell you because they'll get a grievance filed against them. The reason is, why would you want Buxton for one month in a lost season if he pans out? If he pans out when you could get him for a full extra year at the end of team control and then wait an extra year until a contract extension. I mean, that's the reason. If you're if you're looking for reasons, Bill. Yeah, the the way that I look at it is, do, does the two weeks that he would actually come up and play does that make it worth it if somehow this thing actually works out? It, like, you, it's really just a math formula of like it. We've seen him tear up September before, and it meant really nothing. We've seen lots of players do that against September pitching. Like maybe it would be good for him to get some confidence, or maybe he would be bad and he would be, you know, going into the offseason not feeling great. Either way. So it's hard to predict which way that's gonna go. But ultimately in the guy's career, are those two weeks so important to you that at some point down the road, you know, if he if he ends up being the superstar that you hope he could be, or let's say he Aaron Hickses this thing, right? And he just it finds God and turns it around and he's great and he's a starting player. Well, that's going to impact your long-term vision. And these guys, they don't say, Oh, you know, well, we could get fired in a year or something. So who cares? No, they always think years and years down the road. That's how uh, from the Minnesota Vikings perspective, that's how they've been able to manage the cap the way they have and afford Kirk cousins and fit all these other players is they were preparing years ahead with these contracts. So I think that every front office thinks that way. These guys didn't make the rules. They're just using them to their advantage or disadvantage in this, in this case, maybe to not be able to bring them up, but I'm sure that they would rather have them up. Wouldn't they? Like they'd rather say, yeah, but the the rules just don't really allow it. Uh, Billy tweets in, how much of Judd's life has been devoted to comments about a 156 player the last few days? Sim it down now. He's not that good to be this lathered up over. Well, I had I had gone to bed on Friday night about 11 when I saw Doogie's tweet uh, from sources that he wasn't going to be recalled. And so if you take 11 p.m. Friday until now... That's the answer to the question. That's how long I've been. The pie chart of Judd's mind. That's how long I've been ticked off about this. Have you spent more time speaking with your wife or thinking about Byron Buxton the last three days? Oh, Buxton for sure. Because okay. I, I got up on, let's see, I wrote about it. I So I got up Friday and wrote a news story citing Doogie's sources. And then and then it became official at like 1035 on Saturday night. Man. So I woke up Sunday morning and started and drove the wife to work and thought about it the entire time. And then I came home and wrote, and it probably took me two hours to put all of the stuff together and write it. So yeah. There's that been seems like there's a been at, hell of a weekend. There's been five to six intensive hours spent, really, and and I mean I've been I've been PO'd the whole time, but probably five to six intensive oh. Buxton hours researching, writing, or actively talking uh, about it. Show related announcement here in just a minute or two, but Collar, what's the most angst you've ever felt about a sports subject matter? Hmm. Like what's the, what's the most mad you've ever been about something or? Oh yeah, this is pretty easy. I mean, tanking in when I was in Buffalo. I mean, it, it's the most obvious thing if your team has no chance to win that if you can be last and you can draft the best player 
that you should do that and that tanking across the history of sports works all the time. Ask uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Worked out pretty well for them, didn't they? They get Andrew Luck. Yeah, and he's That was got, the same year the Vikings like, decided to beat Washington late in the season mm, and take themselves out mm, of the Andrew Big Luck victory, Phil Mackey. But, but even before that, you know, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, they're just like franchise gold because they drafted number one, not for any other reason. Yeah. I mean, their owner is a nutcase, and they have mismanaged the heck out of their roster for years and years, and yet they got to an AFC championship game, and yet they won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. I mean, and you see it, Tim Duncan. What uh, draft pick was he? Was he, uh, you know, was he 14th overall or number one? So anyway, that became a huge argument in Buffalo. Like, should they lose on purpose or play the bad players? And people kept screaming, the players aren't going to lose on purpose. Like, yeah, we know. So put right. crappier yeah. players on the field right. or so on the ice the, in this case. The, the Vikings' victory in Washington was one of the most maddening things I've ever watched. It's like this is the stupidest win of all time. And by the way, if Ponder hadn't got hurt and Webb came in, they lose that game. They were Ponder had him right where you wanted him. He had him exactly. <laughs> in, we, in the one job right now. In the jaws of lose defeat. by three touchdowns. In the jaws of defeat. And then he got hurt. Joe Webb came in and they won a stupid game. Yeah. I mean. All right. All right. Let's make, let's make a few. Mackie and Judd and 1500 ESPN related announcements here. I'm just going to throw this out and you guys can uh, discuss amongst yourselves. <laughs> I think people have been wondering since all the, there's the three Fridays ago now, since the announcements about Roycey and Garage Logic were made. Okay, what does that mean for Mackie and Judd? So uh, we are staying at Harbor Broadcasting. We are staying at 1500 ESPN. Our show starting Monday will move to the afternoons from 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock. So Judd can sleep until can 1 sleep o'clock in. in the afternoon. Wow. Yeah, okay. roll out of bed and deliver Byron Buxton Venom starting I'll at 3 o'clock. I'll be dreaming about this terrible decision, okay? Uh, so Mackie and Judd will move to afternoons, 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock, and Manny Hill will join the show full-time for those three hours. Collar's going to be a regular contributor. We've got a huge lineup of Vikings-related guests on a weekly basis, including Tom Pelissero and Rich Gannon. Um that means Golik and Wingo, Dan Levitard, and Stephen A. will run on 1500 ESPN in the time leading up to our show at 3 o'clock. We will have more audio content plans to announce in the near future. But right. starting on September 10th, if you want to listen to our show live, you can find it 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock, either on the stream at 1500ESPN.com, the mobile app, or on the good old-fashioned uh, AM dial. Also, yes. Also, starting this Sunday, September 9th, Vikings Ventline will expand. Vikings Ventline, which has been one of our favorite shows on this station for years, uh, post game, it'll expand with a pregame call in edition as well at 11 o'clock or an hour before kickoff. I know the Vikings, most of their games are at noon on Sundays, but it'll be one hour before kickoff. Vent lines will be open and it'll be an ensemble cast of. Mackie and Judd, Manny Hill, Matthew Collar when he's uh, not covering football in person. So uh, Sunday, the expansion of Vikings Ventline. And starting Monday, September 10th, our show Mackie and Judd moves to 3 to 6 p.m. in the afternoons. All right. Very, very exciting. Can't wait. That's insincere Judd right there. Yes, yes. Catch it. (laughs) Okay, go insincere Judd right there. I was trying my hardest. Catch that. Make sure you capture it. We need some new ones. You can find Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk.
Yes, you 10 guys, to uh, noon with uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. <laughs> Lots of fun. <laughs> I think I just trumped it, boys. I've that never heard cool, that man. before. That's like that's hilarious. What is James, have you heard this one? You can find Matthew Collins. Wait, well, this one. That'd be cool, man. I'd like to, to see that again. <laughs> I think I trumped it's it though. Judd has I, to think, come in I think I trumped right it. I think I got it. I Nine, think this one was better. Nine twenty three Tuesday. September. There it is. I gave it a little pause there too. He's like, because yeah, Sincere Judd is cool. sort of thinking about how excited he, he is about the change. <laughs> um, also, just to throw this, out, I think it's fairly obvious because we've we've uh, been growing these podcasts, but. Uh, Purple Podcasts, Matthew Collar is the lead voice on that. It's the most popular Vikings podcast in the Twin Cities, maybe in the country. Uh, that will continue four or five days a week, however often Collar is uh, pumping out stuff. Touch Em All continues, Raised by Wolves, The Scoop with Doogie, The Crafty Rogues with uh, Cosgrove and Quino, and uh, and Loons-related programming. So, awesome. So September 10th, Mackie and Judd, 3 to 6 p.m., Vikings Vent Line expanding, and uh, we will have more to announce Sometime in the fall. So no more four hours, huh? Well, I mean, if he wants to, Pat wants to call hours. us an hour before, we could give him an hour of pre-show and kind of go from there. And we could go four hours again? I'm good with three to six. Oh, he, I, this isn't official yet, but it sounds like Pat's going to be a regular contributor on our show. We're still trying to twist his arm a little bit, too. I think he's got some more meetings, but we'd like Pat to be a regular on our show. Yeah, definitely. And so, at the very least, you're going to hear That's Patrick Royce on our show. What's that? I said that that was... Sincere Judd right there. That's not insincere Judd. You can find Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com, <laughs> the Purple Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk. Yes, you 10 guys, to uh, noon with uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. <laughs> Lots of fun. On that note, too, this will be your, this will be the last Saturday Sports Talk that you guys do mm-hmm. coming up here. Uh, a Vikings preview show for you guys this weekend, or just a football preview show. And starting in late September, Scott Korzanowski will move to mid-mornings on Saturdays, 9 to 11. Just a lot so, of football, though. Just a lot of football, Kyle. So much football. You want to talk football when we come back here? I would love to talk football. All right. In. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Fred Loney's Ace Hardware and Garden Store is also a proud sponsor of the Beer Show. Come on! Football! Hey, can I hit that quarterback in the face? I want to do it! Football. Yes. Yes, Matthew Collar from the Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. You guys want to start with Puntergate no. or old no. old players who are no yes. longer going to be on the team? Yes, door two. There, okay. there is no Puntergate. I mean, Ryan Quigley had a really poor preseason, so they found some other guy. Hey, but he didn't have a touchback wait, wait. until like December There's last one year. important question. How do you pronounce new punter's last name? I think it's Willie or Wile. But I have it's asked. W-I-L-E, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. I've heard it's while. Okay. I've heard from a from a source. Oh, J- see, James has been reporting You're things on this show. This one I know for sure. This You're one oh, this one I know for sure. All right. Do you drink with him? Is that what what, what reveal your sources? I can't. I, I you know, I, I would be doing him a disservice if I did that. Mitch Berger. That's the source. Mitch Berger, over several beers, finally fessed up. This yeah. is how you pronounce the new guy's name. Um I was telling Judd this before the show on the, the the Brian Robinson move. I don't know. They've asked him to restructure in the past uh, at least once before the season, and and he's in his thirties now. And they've got Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin, so it's the writing's been on the wall for a couple of years for Robinson. I feel like once you get to the post Randy Moss two thousands era of Vikings football, I think Brian Robinson is one of the figureheads of 
of this era of Vikings football. I mean, Adrian Peterson is a more flashy name, and I get that Brett Favre is going to be up there and Chad Greenway, but you know, if you're starting to list the four, five, or six players who really symbolize this generation of Vikings football, I think it's fair to say Brian Robison is one of the key names on that list. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say that. I, I mean, I think that just along the way, he is a really good story, for one, because this is a guy who was drafted in the fourth round, was thought to maybe not be big enough to be a defensive end, but a little too big to be a linebacker. And he was a situational pass rusher in his first three full seasons in the NFL. All he did was come in every once in a while and rush the passer. And then works his way to being a full-time player and a full-time starter until every year except for last season when Daniel Hunter finally took over the job for him. And, I mean, that type of perseverance for one, but also like improving his game to get to the point where he can have 60 career sacks is really impressive. And I think that one of the things that the Vikings have done on this defense has been consistently find guys that don't necessarily need to be the number one pick. I mean, I know that they have Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes, who are their first-round picks, and Anthony Barr, but they also have this tendency to find guys who aren't, like Daniel Hunter. And B-Rob, I know, is not from like the Mike Zimmer era, but he's sort of part of that conversation of guys that they got way more out of than you ever expect. Mm-hmm. Everson Griffin is another one. And I also think that... Uh, one thing that is important for the Minnesota Vikings success now is how much the veteran players are willing to help the younger players because you do not see that everywhere. And B-Rob probably gave a lot of assistance to the two guys that took his job. I mean, Stephen Weatherly and Deshaun Bauer were both fantastic in the preseason. They look like they're going to be a, a part of this defense. They're going to be in the game, I think. And... B-Rob was one of the guys who was consistently helping them get better. And that says a lot about him Mm -hmm. and and how he reacted to Daniel Hunter taking his job. I mean, he's a starter for a long time, but last year you heard nothing about it from B-Rob. In fact, he was, for a while, one of the most vocal guys in the locker room. But then last year, understanding kind of where he was, he dialed that back. He was not one of the guys to to be out at his locker as often. And I don't think it was because he was salty because they were winning games and he was still getting on the field. I think it was more of, okay, I I know where I stand in this and and I'm not that guy anymore. But he has been a big help to Daniil Hunter and many other players that have shaped a really, really good team now. This is a tough move, too, that I absolutely love. And here's why. This is a team keeping a guy like this around. I think if this had been a couple years back, Greenway, I think Zim keeps him because he likes the guy a lot. He thinks the guy's important, and and within the confines of the team, he definitely is. But this is also a move that when you are a franchise, especially in this sport, that's teetering on, you're expected to be really good, but you're trying to develop guys, this is the exact type of guy you have to cut. And and it sucks, and, and it's tough. Now, now the one thing I, I will say, too, is I think this is a credit – to the fact that the evolution with that team of guys who, who can lead is pretty good right now. Robinson's a guy you don't cut if you say to yourself, we got a lot of crusty characters that we don't trust, right? Yeah. Because then he's important. But they've done a really good job, I think, of cultivating guys who can who can now take that torch. So this, to me, is a credit to where this franchise is currently, both in developing players and also saying, 
your loss is going to be a big one internally, but we can absorb it because we've got guys who can take that from you and now lead. Aren't you? I feel like you're constantly making those decisions when players get to be 30 to 33 years old in the NFL, where you know if you've been good for a long time and you've played a key role in the locker room, and you just have to balance. Okay, how much are we going to use you? How much do you cost? And what is your true off the field value behind the scenes? Your cultural value to a locker room? And with guys like Greenway and Robinson, I think it's pretty fair to say that they lasted an extra two years in the Vikings uh, structure because of how great they were behind the scenes, right? I mean, is it, if if Brian Robinson was just kind of a yucklehead and was getting arrested or whatever, like he went to still, but he, he, his his value on the field because of Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin. Uh, would have been surpassed by the knuckleheadery if that was the case two or three years ago. So it's a testament to him. I, mean, I think through 2016, he's an effective player. He gets seven sacks in 2016, and he's mostly a pass rusher. Not great against the run, but that isn't a huge deal if a defensive end isn't dominating in run stuffing. They do yeah. have two guys who can now in Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, but as far as what you're bringing to the team, 2016, he still brought a lot. Last year, he was not as effective, and it was pretty clear that the writing was on the wall. Now, I did think that he still looked pretty solid in preseason and, and training camp. He might not have played in preseason, but in, in training camp, he was out there on a daily basis going one-on-ones and things like that. So it's one of the most fun things to watch up close is the defensive lineman going against the offensive lineman and standing like five feet away from them because it's just... Yeah. yeah. Football! Yeah. Football, yeah! yeah. Flattered up it, with yes. blessed skin. It's, it is incredible. Come on, Collar. Keep it's going. Incredible. Come on. Yes. Football. Yes. Because you, you're watching. Free I mean, you, you've seen on TV what <laughs> Daniil Hunter's arms look like, right? I mean, yeah. and so watching him up close at six foot six and with those incredibly yoked pipes. Football. Yes. <laughs> Battling like. Just owning offensive linemen is, you know, it's it's wild. But the offensive linemen are trying to hang on for dear life, and you know, anyway, it's. But you can really see what kind of what's going on there with these guys on TV. I think it's a lot harder to see what the offensive and defensive linemen are really doing because you kind of got that wide view, so you know whether he blocked the guy or not. But it's much harder to see the the techniques that are being used, the hand fighting, the the pad levels. Come on, one more time, football, football, yeah. yeah. Get low. Get low. Good base. I don't even remember what I was getting to. No, we don't either. <laughs> no, the, I, I think uh, we were talking about B Rob, but yeah, I'm not I, quite sure. I blacked out after I, the Daniel Hunter <laughs> arms thing. Oh yeah. Okay. yeah. No, it's just I thought I thought he was playing well enough that they would try to keep him. But when you look at the roster, it just there were some guys that, that couldn't stay. And it makes a lot of sense to move on from someone who wasn't that effective and is in his older age and to kind of turn a new leaf over. But the guy deserves a heck of a lot of credit for the career that he had and the role that he played in shaping what they have now. And when you look at their two defensive ends, those are two guys who looked up to Brian Robinson and they're two of the best in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That matters a lot. Big and arms. It's not, it is not the norm. To have veteran players who are always willing to help the other guys. And I asked Everson Griffin about that yesterday, and he said that they look at it as we're trying to win, that if we win, everybody 
succeeds. Everybody gets paid, yep. right? If we win games, yep. and you're only as strong as your weakest players, so we got to help get those guys ready if they need to go in. And, and that's a mentality that does not always exist in a game that's really brutal. Do you guys agree defensively when, when this team m- makes a move? I find it very difficult to, to find flaws because they've done such a good job. They're so well coached, starting off with that. But just as far as, okay, you, you could say, well, well, B-Rob was important in the locker room and this is going to be tough. But I come back to, if I'm the Vikings, I have such faith in, in their ability right now defensively to develop players that I'm almost always going to do the air on the side of keeping the kid. Yeah. So there's very little defensive moves that this team can make where where as an outsider I'd say, you know, that's flawed. It's ordinary like, no, I sort of get that. And and if you if you deem that these young defensive ends are developing correctly, then yeah, I would prefer to keep that kid as opposed to a guy going into his 11th or 12th season. And one of the the major benefits and you could see this the opposite end of this in some place like Cleveland, but one of the major benefits of continuity with a coaching staff and with a head coach and a front office that the Vikings have is that they know exactly what they want and they know exactly how they want to develop these people. So they go out to the grocery store and they don't just look for milk. They look for the very specific kind of milk that brings out yeah. the okay. best in your cornflakes. Okay, Bill Parcells. Yeah. Let's uh you, let's calm down no, a little no, bit. But, football but, milk? But what they're football milk. What what they're looking for is a dude <laughs> who is tall and athletic and has long arms and is smart and ha- explosive. And like that's that's more that's a little more generic than they look at it, but it has a certain type of pass rushing style that will fit exactly what Andre Patterson teaches. So they can look at every player in college football and see a dude in Steven Weatherly who is not highly touted, but you know, he's got this certain athletic profile. He's a very intelligent person, like he kind of fits the bill. So bring him in, take a shot. Now they've taken shots at, at other guys like Afadi Adenabo, who they let go, same sort of thing. But in this case, Weatherly has such great athleticism and length, he, yeah. he kind of fits that. And then you see over three years, he goes from being a guy that you don't even talk about to completely mauling people in the preseason and making it look like he's going to be a player. So that's sort of the, the benefit is you can have this developmental system in a way if you stay in place for more than two or three years, which a lot of coaches do. Yeah. Uh, the other big move over the weekend, Terrence Newman retiring and then instantly joining the coaching staff. Let's come back and talk about that. I know Collar has anecdotes about Terrence Newman's influence behind the scenes. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Luther Brookdale Toyota right now has their national clearance event going on, which means you get great deals on 600-plus different 2018 Brand new vehicles. So it's that time of year where 2019s are coming in and uh, you get to take advantage of just to be, to be frank, Luther Brookdale Toyota trying to uh, clear room for them. So $2,500 rebates are in play. 0% financing is in play. Uh, I know there are also lease specials too that you can take advantage if you go to LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. But it's the best combination of some of the most durable vehicles in the world. In fact, what's the number? 80% of Toyotas that were on the road 20 years ago are still on the road today. So you know, you're not just going to buy a car here. You're not going to get into a 2018 and then have it start to break down in a couple years. Uh, you're going to get that durability. And if you do have to lean on service, it's the best service department in the Twin Cities, too. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. 
Want exclusive access to U.S. Bank Stadium? Well, then purchase your tickets now for CCFA's A Touch of Football Flag Football Tournament on September 8th. Flag football teams will take over the field in a six-on-six tournament to raise money for the Crohn's Colitis Foundation. The day also includes exclusive stadium tours, memorabilia auction, 1500 ESPN Fan Zone, and more. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com keyword events. The talent that uh, some of the younger talent, obviously, you have to either say, I'll be selfish and maybe take a roster spot or, you know, give somebody else an opportunity to, you know, live their dream. So it was pretty easy. Um, You know, everybody's asking me if I'm okay and all this. I'm like, "Uh, I'm good, you know. Uh, I'm still in football. I'm still, you know, have an opportunity to, you know, chase a, a Super Bowl ring. Did they come to you with the idea, or did you go to them and say, hey, why don't I join the coaching staff? Um, coach asked me, you know, said, hey, you know, I'd like to have you coach if you're willing. So, um, of course, that was something that I, I wanted to do in the first place and see, you know, if it was something that I would like to do uh, going forward. That's a hell of a career, boys. You, you play until you're 40 years old in the NFL at, at any position, especially a non-quarterback position. That's uh, it's a pretty rare feat, so... Terrence Newman, I know you you reposted your column. You did a big. You've done a couple features on Terrence Newman, but Collar, what can you tell us about his influence behind the scenes and either what the Vikings are losing by not having him as a player anymore, and or what they might be gaining by being able to keep him around at least. Well, keeping him around, I think, is really important, especially when they have Mackenzie Alexander is still young and he's going to start at the nickel spot. And I know that at first he sort of resisted Terrence's help, but I think Mike Zimmer probably went to him and said, you better listen to Terrence Newman because everybody who does has it work out in their favor. And, you know, Zimmer gets a lot of the credit for Xavier Rhodes getting better, for Trey Wayne's getting better, uh, and he deserves that. But also on a daily basis, Terrence Newman has been right there guiding those guys, doing extra film sessions. So there, there are many stories that I've gathered from players. I mean, it was a project that I did last year where I just went around to all these different players, guys who were near his locker, Eric Kendricks, and how much he's helped Kendricks along. I mean, it's, it's different for almost everybody. With some people, you know, Stefan Diggs gets overhyped sometimes. And so Terrence Newman has had to work with him to try and, you know, control himself a little bit sometimes, you know, and he's gotten penalties before in the past for over celebrating or getting in someone's face. And, you know, then, and then with Xavier Rhodes, he's taught him how to watch tape, how you break down a wide receiver, how you prepare for a game. He's taught a lot of these guys, those sorts of things. But the one that really stuck out to me was Teddy Bridgewater last year. Bridgewater said, you know, the whole organization has been amazing for me coming back from this gruesome, awful injury and everybody's helped. And he goes, and, and Bridgewater said, I don't, I don't really want to point any but one person out, but I will anyway. And that's Terrence Newman from a day-to-day basis, sitting next to me at my locker, pushing me along. And if I came in, not with a good attitude that Terrence was going to be the one that was pushing me to take on every single day and prepare for the next step of getting back on the field. And you think about what Bridgewater went through to have someone like that. So it's not just, oh, the guy knows football or the guy knows tape or he's going to be a good teacher because you know he's been in the league for so long. It's even for his personality, too, and the type of impact 
that he's had on just individuals. And, and I think he's, he's the rare guy who sees the entire picture, not just on the field of the X's and O's of what the linebacker does and, and what the left tackle is going to do and all that, but the entire picture of what everyone else in the locker room is thinking. Because as an NFL player, you have to be so focused on yourself. Everything has to be, I've got to get ready to go up against Doug Baldwin this week or Julio Jones this week. And for him to be able to look across the locker room and understand what another player needs to help maximize themselves, mm-hmm. that is a extremely rare skill. And, oh, by the way, he played really well at a position last year at age 39 that he had not played <laughs> in years and years and was very solid at nickel corner. He's an incredible guy. What would have happened in your mind if uh, the Saturday conversation had taken place and Mike said Terrence, Terrence, we'd like to transition you to coaching, but but we we'd like to keep guys too. And Terrence had said no. What, what's your guess? Because that would have been that would have been an extremely interesting. You know, would they have I'm kept guess, him as a player? Yes, is that what you're yes. saying? I'm saying if Terrence had said I want to continue playing, mm. would Mike have said okay? We'll keep you and cut a guy, or or would would he have said I'm developing these young defensive backs? I'm going to have to cut you. So I think that that was what everyone was trying to figure out. Yep yesterday and we couldn't quite get a clear grasp on that nobody said for sure yeah they were going to cut me but Newman several times insinuated that he would have had a roster spot and I think he would have interesting considering how well he played last year and considering there still is some up in the air with the nickel corner spot even if Mike Hughes played well uh, as a depth player who can also move to safety if you need him to in certain situations, I think he still would have been valuable on this team. But I think the conversation went something like, look, uh, we really want to keep Holton Hill because he's got a high ceiling. And if you work with him, he might be a really good NFL player, um, but we can't keep him if you stay. So you can stay, and we'll cut him and try to sneak him to the practice Mm -hmm. squad, but that might be hard. And also, Newman is the type of guy to look at the situation and say, you know what, at some point, now he was a fifth overall pick, so he never had to go through this, but he's seen many, many players go through this. At some point, guys need a shot. And Holton Hill is the exact type of guy who needs a shot. He's an undrafted free agent. He had the weed issue at the Combine, and he was kicked off Texas. He made a really good impression as a person in training camp on this team. It's one of the reasons he's here, because he didn't make all sorts of crazy great plays, but I think that his his potential is there. Mm -hmm. Newman is one of the very rare guys who would look at this and say, you know what, I can step aside here and give this 21-year-old guy a chance at an NFL career when maybe if he gets cut, that he just ends up bouncing around. If he can't find stability, if he ends up on a Cleveland instead of a Minnesota where the Vikings have this very stable and great situation. So Newman is is sort of selfless in that way, which kind of makes this story even better for, for what he's done for this organization. Let's say, so let's say they win the Super Bowl. Okay. I know it's hard to envision Mm. if you're a Vikings fan, but let's say at the end of the season, there's confetti falling down and the Vikings have triumphed over the, they get revenge over the Pittsburgh Steelers from the 1970s, whatever. If you're Terrence Newman in that spot, how much, if at all, how much less fulfilling is it to celebrate in that manner as a coach, considering you were just in training camp and played in the preseason, you just played for two decades. How much less fulfilling do you think it would be if you if it were you guys? I don't think for him it'll be less fulfilling at all. 
I think it's a Super Bowl. I, I, th- I think that this is the thing that the guy has cared about for so long and has put so much into. But as a and, player, when people remember your career, you will not have been yeah, a... I don't think he cares about that, though. Like, I think that this sort of move is evident that he doesn't really care about what the legacy is and things like that, that he's not really that type of person. He's not the type of person who would be thinking like, oh, man, if I get cut at the end of my career, it's going to hurt my legacy. It wouldn't be about him. Remember. Yeah, he's not okay. narcissistic like that. I, I think he's very much like you would be, Judd. Uh, he's, I, think he's, I think that he desperately wanted a Super Bowl, and that's why he came back, and yep. he believes this team can win one, so that's one of the reasons he's going to stay on the coaching staff. But I think when, whether it's as a position coach or front office scout or whatever it is, mm-hmm. when you pour your entire being into playing at this level, the highest on earth, and you get it in any way, shape, or form, you're not going to say, well, you know, I mean, I guess I didn't play 10 snaps in that game. You're going to say, this is finally it. This is what I hoped and dreamed for from the day I stepped on NFL field. I think it's different, too, because this sounds like it was clearly on his own terms. So I think if you got pushed out into coaching, you might be like, I wanted to play. But if you didn't, it's different. The other thing, too, is if they win the Super Bowl, we will be able to look at this roster. It'll be because of the defense, right? But And we'll be able to look at this roster and go, Terrence Newman helped Xavier Rhodes. Terrence Newman helped Trey Waynes. Terrence Newman was close with Harrison Smith. Terrence Newman helped Eric Hendry. Like every single one of these players, he had a personal impact, a tangible impact on them. He can't come, so, come back and play too, correct? No, he can't. Tom Pelissero okay. reported that he can't. He answered that question yesterday with like, well, you know, you never know. But like. If it's against the rules, then he can't. Yeah. Um, Matthew Collar hanging out with us. We're talking Vikings. You can find all of his Vikings work in written and audio form at 1500ESPN.com. The division just got better. Is it the best division in the NFL? Also, I want to circle back on something we were talking about this era or this generation of Vikings football. Uh, we'll do that. And also, Murph with some stuff we should know about. Manny joins the show at 11 o'clock. Jason Stark at 11.30. It's Mackie and Judd.